Hello, and welcome to Life on Maine, a daily podcast of Life on Maine in Charlestown, New Hampshire, where we discuss living life on the main purpose as designed by God. I am Pastor Tim Golden, and on these podcasts, we focus on growing in relationship with God, maturing in the faith through His Word, stewarding our relationships with one another, as well as learning to make disciples as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each day highlights one of these facets of spiritual character, growth, and stewardship, so be sure to come back each day to grow a strong and healthy walk with the Lord. Now, let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to show us today. If you'll turn to your Bibles with me, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapters 2 and chapter 4 today. And as you know, the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about the caricatures of a Christian. And when we talk about caricatures, we're just talking about a portrayal of an individual in which one aspect is emphasized, or maybe a couple aspects. And what we are doing over this next number of weeks is emphasizing Uh, a specific characteristic of a Christian and how it is God expects us to be, what he expects us to look like uh, in the eyes of the world. And so what we want to do is take a look at, and we have got about 12 of these that we're going to be exploring. We started a couple weeks ago talking about what it means to be a child of God, and we started there because it is fundamental that we have a good understanding of what that means, because It is on that that all of the others are built, and apart from that understanding, everything else that we do can become simply religion, and we don't want to go there. But when we understand that we are a child of God first, it has within it this aspect of understanding relationship, understanding we have a God that loves us, a God that cares for us, regardless of what we do. And uh, so we need to have a good foundation of that understanding. Then last week we had talked about what it means to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ, an ambassador in the kingdom of God. And just like earthly ambassadors, we are called to represent the kingdom of which we are a part. We are representative within a foreign land, uh, amongst people that maybe do not share that same philosophy or the same um, set of beliefs. And we are truly ambassadors for Jesus Christ within this world. As ambassadors, we are called to represent him and not ourselves. And one of the greatest ways that we do that is in the love that we show to each other and to the world at large. And today, I want to kind of take us almost a totally separate direction. Because when we think of ambassadors, we think of diplomacy or diplomats, people that are striving to keep peace. And today we're going to be talking about what it means to be a soldier of the cross. And when we think of a soldier, we often think of conflict, we think of war, we think of upheaval. But it is important for us to understand what it truly means to be a soldier of the cross, to understand that we are in a conflict, there is an enemy that we are against, but understanding who the enemy really is. And so we want to explore some of that, as well as some characteristics that are important for us to have as soldiers of the cross. So if you'll turn with me, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And before we go there, we just want to take some time to pray. Lord, we do thank you today for your grace in and over our lives. We ask that as we probe into this um, new area of what it means to truly be a soldier, would you open up our hearts and our minds to receive from you the truths that you would have for us. And we'll choose to live according to what you show us today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting at verse 3. 
says through the mouth of the Apostle Paul to Timothy, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. And then over to chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to, unto all of them that love his appearing. Paul is telling his protege, Timothy, to be a soldier for Christ, to be willing to wage war, but wage war in the right place. In just about a week from now, we are going to be celebrating Memorial Day. We often think of parades, we often think of barbecues when it comes to Memorial Day, but that is not what it is all about. And it's probably a good thing because parades are not going to be really happening this year and a lot of barbecues are going to be pretty sparsely attended uh, due to this whole pandemic we find ourselves in. But what Memorial Day really is about is it's about men and women who abandoned everything and answered the call to service and a call to arms by their nation. A number of these people actually ended up laying down their lives for that cause, for the cause of our freedom, as well as the freedom of others. And one of the most sobering scenes you will ever put your eyes on, though in some ways I think we have become almost numb to it because we've seen it so much, but it's those acres and acres of white crosses in Arlington Cemetery, which stand as a living testimony to those that have given their lives. But thinking about that, I'm also reminded of those in the army of Christ who have died on the battlefield of faith and of the legacy they have left behind. I recall those, uh, for instance, that are even in Hebrews chapter 11, such as Abraham and Moses, great men and women of God who were good soldiers of the cross and died to preserve our precious faith. And we know people in our own day that have done that very thing, who have given their lives for the gospel. In America, we don't see many people martyred, but the truth is worldwide, there are people dying for their faith every day. There's people that are laying their lives on the line just to be named with Christ. And there are many nations where you will go and when they make a profession of faith, when they come into a church and they work their way down front to an altar, to give their lives to Christ. They understand it's not just for forgiveness of sins. They understand it's being in a relationship with a God and that in the midst of that relationship, most likely within the next two to three years, they will either find themselves in prison or murdered. It's a reality of the faith for them. It may be a reality for us someday. We don't know that, but it could be. But one day we will all face our lives coming to an end. And the question is, what will our legacy be that we leave behind? Paul faced the end of his life in a Roman prison and left instructions to a young preacher boy named Timothy about how to be 
a good soldier. This is actually the last letter that we know of that the Apostle Paul had written. And it was written in Rome. It was a place that Paul chose to go because he knew of the impact that he could have on the world through that one area because it was pretty much the, the hub. It, 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 was a, it was the main action place for the known world at that time as Rome was the leading nation. Or, or yeah, as Rome was the leading nation. And so he went there in hopes to spread the gospel, and he did. And he did so lots of times from prison cells. In fact, over half the books that he wrote, half the letters that we have in the New Testament were written during this two to three year time frame while he was in prison in Rome. But what he does, he looks at Timothy, and even though he himself is in chains, awaiting his own execution, he is looking to Timothy and saying, Timothy, you need to be a good soldier. Don't give up the fight. Keep pressing on. And why can he say that? Because he himself had done it. That's why he said in chapter 4, Timothy, not only am I calling you to be a, sol a good soldier, I have been one. I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith, and now I'm asking you to do the same thing. But what does it mean? What does it really mean to be a good soldier in the army of God? Well, the first thing we need to understand is that a good soldier is first a good private. He knows how to follow, and he knows how to follow well. But before he can even be a private, there's something he needs to do. He needs to enlist. And if you have named the name of Christ, if you have chosen to accept him as your Lord and Savior, you have enlisted in the army of God. And our job is to fulfill that mission and fulfill it well. And then in so doing, we follow well. We follow one voice, we follow one master, that is Jesus Christ. The second thing that we find is that a good soldier is faithful. He is not perfect, but he is faithful. It can be seen a number of ways. It can be seen first in his patience because he is able to endure hardships and not quit. If you have ever been in the armed services, you know what it means to have to be patient. When you run to places and then you wait in line where it is you had to run to. You know what it means to have patience and endurance when you have woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning to do a 10-mile run when you do not even hardly have your eyes open, but you still endure it. John chapter 16, verse 33 tells us this through the mouth of Christ. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. It's a fact. You're going to suffer some hardships. That's one thing Jesus promised. But he said, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. You're going to face some hardships, but you don't need to worry too much about it because we've won. I have already won the war. You might be having to do some cleanup work now, but the war has been won and you are on the winning side. So be faithful, have patience. It's also seen the faithfulness of a good soldier. It's seen in his priorities because his number one priority, his number one aim is to simply please his commanding officer. 
I guess one of the questions we have to ask ourselves is, are we seeking to please our commanding officer? And if not, what is it that is keeping us from serving him well? What is it that's keeping us from wanting to please him? Maybe it's because it, it feels like it's something that we don't necessarily want to do. Maybe it's something that's uncomfortable. But last thing I saw about wars, war is never comfortable. But I will guarantee you this, when you choose to please the commander, he will make sure you are well taken care of. We have to understand that in the kingdom of God, there's no room for Rambos. For those that don't know, because I might be dating myself, Rambo was a character that's played by Sylvester Stallone in, I think it was about five different films. And what Rambo was, is he was a warrior of sorts, but what he was, he was kind of a lone ranger. And you know, in the kingdom of God, that's not the picture that God gives us. It's not about just going out and doing our own thing. It's not about us just trying to go and just serve all on our own. God has told us that wherever we go, he will be with us. We talked about that last week when he said, that never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So you know a good soldier's faithfulness by his patience, by his priorities, and also by his practice. A good soldier will guard the truths that he has sworn to uphold. And for us, we will guard the truths of the faith. We're determined to do a good job and will refuse to do anything to bring disgrace or dishonor upon the commanding officer or the rank that we serve under. Our goal is to always do things that will bring honor to the cause. And as Christians, we need to also always be about bringing honor to the cause of Christ. He wants us to live his life in a manner that brings honor and glory to him. So a good soldier is a good private. He is faithful, but a good soldier also knows some things. He knows his commander's voice. He knows what voice to listen to when he is in the foxhole, when he is in that place of difficulty. He knows the voice of his commander and will heed it at all cost. He becomes familiar with that voice because he's willing to spend time with a private. Now in the earthly realm, it may not be a matter of willingness, you just end up having to spend time with the commander, whether you want to or not. But in the kingdom of God, we become familiar with Christ because he wants to be familiar with us. Remember, we are a child first. And we get to know his voice through prayer, but mostly we get to know his voice by spending time in his word, spending time in the scriptures, allowing him to speak to us through that so that we will then be able to test when in our times of prayer or when hard times do come and we hear other voices kind of screaming out, we'll be able to differentiate as far as what is God and what is not. We are familiar also with our weapons. We are familiar that faith is a weapon, that our prayer is a weapon, that our testimony is also a weapon that we possess against the enemy. And we become very familiar with that. We spend time in prayer. We spend time exercising our faith. We spend time sharing our testimony of how God has been there with us through it all. 
But a good soldier is also persistent. He does not retreat in the face of his enemies. He will stand true. He is what I call the three Ds. He is dedicated, he is determined, and he is driven to finish. You see, he is first dedicated to the mission. He is dedicated to what it is that is before him. He has set his mind firmly on it. He has set a firm commitment to it. But he is also determined. And determined is different from uh, being dedicated in that determination really is a heart matter. It's getting our heart to line up with our head and for our heart to become passionate about the things that we have committed to. And being determined that no matter what comes, we will stick through. See, dedication will get us started, but determination will keep us on course. And then the third thing, of course, is that we are driven. Driven is an action word. You see, it's not just about our head and our heart. It's got to be lived out. It's got to be expressed in what it is that we are setting forth to do. And we will continue pressing on until the mission has been accomplished. We'll push on to the finish line. That's what the Apostle Paul did, right? I have fought the good fight. A good soldier will, as we just mentioned, finish what he starts. He knows that there's a reason why he enlisted in the war. He knows that there is a purpose bigger than himself. There's a need that far outweighs his own uh, mortality that he is willing to stand up for. And we, when we get that in our minds and, and we set the, our determination into that, we will be able to stay on course till the end. And we also stay on course, not just because we know that we're about a cause that's bigger than ourselves, but we also understand that someday we will be rewarded. Someday there will be a prize to be won. And Paul talks about that there in, verses, in verse 8. He had said, There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not only me, but to all of them that love his appearing. We have been guaranteed a crown. We have been guaranteed a home with Christ. We also read in the book of John where Jesus said that I'm going to prepare a place for you. Don't let your heart be troubled, right? Believe in God, you believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. But I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And when I go and prepare a place for you, know I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I want to be with you. See, that's really the greatest reward. It's not the crown. It's not the mansion. It's a fact that we'll be able to be with Jesus, that we will be able to be at his throne and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Step into your inheritance. Ex experience the fullness of what it means to be an heir to my kingdom. Those are some great rewards that we have that are awaiting us. A good soldier however, is here. He's, he's today, and he has got to be prepared for battle. The first indicator that you're ready for battle is simply this. You've been properly trained. You don't go into war in the natural world until you have first gone through basic training. 
And it's the same way in the kingdom of God. When we become a child of God, it seems like there is a period of time where things are kind of going okay. It's like we really are experiencing the nurturing of God and, and his uh, tender embrace. And we just sense a real special closeness to him. And there's a reason for that. We're an infant. We're an infant in the spiritual sense. And so he is nurturing us. But we are not destined to stay infants. We grow up. And we've got to move on. And, and eventually, God will want us to become a soldier. And that will mean some aspect of basic training. And basic training from those that I have talked to is not necessarily a fun thing. It is hard. It is grueling. It's difficult. But it helps to create them into becoming a soldier that on the battlefield will not become a casualty of war. And in the kingdom of God, God will allow us to go through some hardships. He'll allow us to go through some basic training to develop us, to strengthen us so that we can be about doing what it is he desires us to do and not cripple under the weight of it all, or worse yet, become a casualty of Christianity. Jesus drilled them much like a drill sergeant does his troops. Jesus drilled the disciples for three years on what it meant to be a part of the kingdom. And they received from him. And he said a lot of hard things, and he had them sometimes do some hard things. He had them encounter some turmoils on the seas and other difficulties to show them the truths of the kingdom. He challenged them on every level to learn how to confront the enemy. He modeled it for them. He didn't just call them to do it. He actually showed them how it's to be done. And we saw it happen time and time again with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. But he challenged them and prepared them for battle. Paul also went through basic training. When he had that encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus and he became converted from being Saul of Tarsus to becoming the Apostle Paul, what we see with him is he went through basic training for a number of years. He sat under the disciples. He didn't immediately go out and start on his missionary journeys. He actually sat under the disciples' teachings to be able to learn from them, to glean from them, how to uh, apply the entirety of Scripture through the lens of the life of Christ. Because, see, he had already been trained by the greatest Pharisees of the day, but he knew that he was pretty ignorant in the things of Christ and how to apply those across the board because Christ came to fulfill the law. He didn't come to abandon it. And so he sat under them, and by so doing, he became prepared to go out and do some great and mighty things for the kingdom of God, became the great, probably the greatest apostle of them all as far as spreading the gospel was concerned. You see, we need to understand physical training does have value, but godliness and allowing God to train us and raise us up in that has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life as well as the life to come. And so we want to remember that. A good soldier also understands the mission that is before him. And what is our mission? 
It's very simply this. It's found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and lo, I'll be with you always, even to the ends of the age. Our commanding officer has given us a mission. It was the last words he spoke before going up into heaven. And Jesus said, prefaced all this by saying, all authority and power has been given to me. In other words, I have the right and the ability to be able to speak these things into your life, to tell you to go do these things because I have the power to help you accomplish them and to accomplish them well. But notice what he called us to. He did not call us just to go make converts. He called us to make disciples. That means rolling up our sleeve. That means getting right up close and personal with people. There is no six-foot protocol in the kingdom of God around these things. It's going to require getting life on life with another individual to raise them up in the things of the Lord. It's a difficult mission. It's not a convenient mission. In fact, Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 says this, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. It's not going to be a pretty place. However, remember, I've overcome the world, and I'm going with you. It's an impossible battle we're called to fight, if we're to fight it in our own strength or in our own power. It tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, which, by the way, is another book of uh, the Bible that Paul wrote from prison in Rome. And we read a very famous passage there about the armor of God, and where he talks again about being a soldier. But he says this prior to that in Ephesians 6, verses 12 through 13. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but, according, or, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Sheep among wolves, yes. However, you are going to be given the power to be able to do and stand up in the midst of it all. But we need to understand that our mission is war. God told Israel to go to war in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 24 through 36. We read one of many passages. But what we see here is Moses is told by God to go and declare war against a certain uh, group of people. And after God had given this clear declaration, Moses, great man that he was, decided he was going to try diplomacy in verses 26 through 28. And what we find as a result of that is because they didn't go to engage war, war found them. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather be in the place of offense for the kingdom of God than in the place of defense. But here's the great thing. Regardless, God gave the army complete victory. In verses 33 through 36, it says, The Lord our God delivered him over to us, and we struck him down together with his sons and his whole army. At that time, we took all his towers and completely destroyed them from Aror on the rim of the Arnon Gorge and from the town in the gorge, even as far as Gilead, not one town was too strong for us. The Lord our God gave us all of them. Understand you're in war. 
Do not try to compromise. Understand where you are at and be ready for battle. However, do not forget who your war is really against. That passage in Ephesians made it clear. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against man. We don't wrestle against the, the things that we see and, and touch. But our battle is spiritual. Our enemy is a spiritual one. And we need to remember that. We are fighting the devils and the demons of hell for the heart and soul of every man, of every woman, of every child, and of every home. Problem is, for now, the church at large has been trying so hard not to offend, not to muddy the waters, not to cause any waves, just kind of be low-key. And maybe they'll just catch it because they're close enough to you. And what's happened is, as a result, the devil has taken ground. We need the church to rise up and be willing to be bold for the name of Christ. I'm not saying we beat people up with the scriptures, but we need to boldly proclaim that Jesus is God, that he is sovereign, that there are rules and laws that he has established for us to follow, and that he is Lord, and he is King, and he one day is going to come and rule again. The time, in a sense, for diplomacy has ended, and it's time to put on our armor and take the battlefield. But understand that the lost are not our enemies. The world is not our enemy. And also understand this, the troops are not our enemies. The people within the kingdom of God are not our enemies. But yet we see so many times churches fighting churches. We see Christians fighting Christians. And it's not meant to be. It's a simple tactic that the devil is using to divide and conquer. And what we've got to do is realize that's going to make us ineffective as a church and begin to seek unity at all costs. Now, I'm not saying that we compromise the, the, the important things. I'm not saying we ever compromise on the Trinity, that there is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is one God. Nor that we should ever compromise on uh, the areas of sin as portrayed in Scripture. But we do need to unite and realize there's a lot of other brothers and sisters that might be marching under another flag, whether it be Methodist, whether it be Baptist, whether it be Foursquare, whether it be Assembly of God, whatever it is, that we need to learn to join hands and advance the kingdom together. Our government does this. We've got the Army, the Air Force, the Navy, the Marines, and the National Guard, and they all fulfill a certain purpose. They don't all do the things the same way, but they're all serving the same purpose. They are all fighting the same battle, and so are we in the kingdom of God. Understand this. If a tiger fights a lion, the tiger is going to win every time. But if you get 10 tigers going against 10 lions, the lions will win every time. And there's one reason for this. Lions will fight together. Tigers fight individually. And so when it goes one-on-one, -on -one, the tiger's able to take the lion. But ten t lions against one tiger <laughs> cannot survive. And they take those tigers, lions are able to take those tigers out one by one. And so are we. Be aware that in every battle there will be those who will take a hit from enemy fire, and we need to be willing to come alongside them and help them, because a good soldier will never leave a man behind. Jesus deployed his troops into hostile territory, and he deploys us the same way. 
But the one thing that we've got to realize is that he promises that he will stay with his troops. He tells us this in Deuteronomy 31.6, when he said, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He said these same things, or similar things, to Joshua in chapter 1, verse 5, when he said, No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And, and this phrase of never leaving us or forsaking us is repeated again in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. We serve a God that is faithful. He will not break his promises. If he has promised that he will not leave us or forsake us, he will not. And we already know that he has all power and all authority. We are on the right side. And so what we need to do is we need to realize that we have got to be about the seek and rescue missions. Because if we don't go out and seek and rescue those that have been captured, the enemy will simply keep those that he has captured. We need to go into the enemy's camp and take them back. We need to be willing to go sometimes into places where most other people would not go to be able to show the love of Jesus to others. Because a good soldier won't leave anyone behind. He is not just about war. He is about rescuing and he is about protecting. Isaiah 59 verse 19 tells us this in the New King James Version. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. The enemy does come in like a flood. And last time I checked, floods never ever leave things better than they were before it came in. They always, it always destroys. But what we have here is an understanding that that is the way the enemy operates. That's the way Satan works. But the Spirit of the Lord said he will raise up a standard. He will protect. He will put sandbags in place, if you will, for his people. And we need to also be about putting sandbags in place for the sake of the kingdom. There's a lot of people out there that are destined to perish. They are much like um, those in the day of Noah's flood. They are in the dark. They, they have um, gotten to this place where they just don't even see the error of their ways. And so it is up to us to come and bring the light of, light of God to them. Jesus came to be the light of the world, and he actually gave us the same title. He said, you also are the light of the world. We've got to be able to come into the places that are dark so that people can learn to live in a way that is going to be pleasing unto God. And as we do that, souls will be rescued from the clutches of the enemy. We will see lives able to become restored rather than destroyed. And that is another way that God desires to use us, not just to fight wars. He desires us to protect, to build up strongholds for the sake of others to rescue them, to keep, prevent them from even entering into the clutches of the enemy. So I hope and pray that that is your desire as well, that you're willing to fight for the cause of Christ. You're also willing to step in and rescue. You're willing to step in and protect those that God uh, places in your life. Will you be a soldier for Christ? Will you discharge an honorable mission for the sake of his kingdom? I hope so. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you today 
for this time that we've had. We've, we praise you that you go before us, that, Lord, we do not go this alone, but you are with us wherever we go. You do not leave us. You do not forsake us. You do not call us to a mission that we are set up to fail. You have set us up for success. Lord God, help us to live boldly. Help us to live courageously in a way that would be pleasing to you. Help us to, yes, remember that we are a child of God, but to never forget that we are also your warriors. We are your soldiers that we are called to advance your kingdom forcefully, uh, to, to be willing to do things that others might shy away from. Not for the sake of uh, trying to bring uh, some sort of uh, control over other people, but Lord God, just simply pave the way for you to come and allow your Holy Spirit to work in the lives of people. So would you use us, Lord? Would you use us as your soldiers? Would you have your way in our lives and through our lives? And for it all, we give you honor and praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We want to thank you for tuning into today's broadcast. We pray that it was beneficial for you. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for another episode of Life on Main. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website at lifeonmain.org. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifeonmain where you can learn about upcoming events and find links to videos of these broadcasts and sermons. You can also view our sermons on our YouTube channel at bit.ly slash lifeonmain with each of those words capitalized. Thanks for listening to Life on Main and may God bless you.